there, everyone. Welcome to TTOR and welcome to the newest God TV radio live stream. I'm your host, TTOR, and I have two guests here with me. We have Brent Keen and Proverbs Guy. Say hello, boys. Hey, what's up, senorita? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Well, it is a pleasure to have you both here. It's good to have friends when you do these kind of podcast live streams that are open room, open call, whatever you want to call it. So before we get into the more serious topics that I have picked out for this particular live stream, I think the proper thing to do for the recent viewers of mine is to explain where I've been recently, because if you've been following me for the past year and a half, you'll notice that I've been putting out videos less frequently in the last couple of months. And that's because after being a caregiver for 11 years and having more time and energy to put out more content, I got hired on as a TV producer at my church. And so now I spend 40 hours a week producing shows for TV, filming live streams of our services, filming live streams of prayer services, filming and producing announcement videos that get run on Sunday, that get run at youth groups and more recently, I put together highlight videos of various functions our church puts on, such as back-to-school events, youth camps, etc. And the one we have coming up on Sunday is a, a car and motorcycle show that I have to film a bunch of footage for. So I'm very busy at my new job. And because it's so busy, I have more fatigue and less energy when I finally get home at the end of the day. But I still find the energy to put out the content that I have the last few months because I don't feel like I'm done being a content creator yet as far as the whole TTOR online channel goes. And so that's why I still put out videos. And that's why we're doing this stream because, well, I like doing these streams and I haven't done one in a while. But I will say, Brett, that all the years that I've spent becoming a better content creator has prepared me well for my job as a TV producer because a lot of the technology that we use at this particular job is very similar to OBS and all the other technologies you showed me how to utilize and run properly. There's just like extra layers and nuances to them. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping me get prepared unintentionally for the current job I hold. It's all good, man. So I've got a lot of great stuff. I'm actually going to do some more tutorials on OBS and some video editing software. And hopefully it helps out my Christian friends out there. Yeah, we use uh, New Tech TriCaster at my job. And it's like OBS on steroids. Like it's a lot of the same kind of functionality, but there's like extra inputs and all kinds of crazy transition effects you can put in and there's actually a keyboard attached to it that has, you know, all the functionality that you would with a mouse click, but it's, you know, easier to flip a lever than click the mouse. <laughs> Plus the lever can allow you to transition faster. Uh, and there's also all the multi-streaming it does and whatnot. Well, but like yeah, I said, an email TTR, anytime you want to do a show, if you really feel like you can't do something during the week, but you got ideas and you want to just drop it all into a show, let me know and we can do what we're doing here. I love it. Love hanging out with you. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting going from a caregiver to a TV producer in my professional life because... When I went to school, it was for journalism and it was for media stuff. And 
when I was in school, I thought, you know, I'd get a job in media relatively early after I was done, but I never envisioned that I would be a caregiver for 11 years and spend, you know, eight years being a YouTuber doing this kind of stuff before I would get my chance at being a media producer for a living. And so for me, it was a godsend, the current job I have, and it was ultimately a fulfillment of a dream I had for a very long time, like at least a decade and a half. And it's pretty nice, even though it's a little tiring and exhausting at times. But what is going on in your personal life, Proverbs guy? I don't want you to feel left out here. Hey, no, no problem. Actually, I was enjoying hearing about how you're producing for your church now, man. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, for me, we're just uh, we're preparing for harvest season. We have about a week, a week and a half, and then all these 800 acres of peanuts are going to be ready to harvest, and then 1,300 of acres, uh, 1,300 acres of cotton to harvest after that. So for the next month and a half or two months, I will be pretty busy. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to live out on a farm that was like 120 acres, I think, and it was mostly hay fields. And like during the summertime, mostly, we'd have hay season where we'd have people come through with their tractors and whatnot. And, you know, they'd go through the fields and cut everything down, and then they'd run through them again with a different machine and create the hay bales. And, and then other people would come through and they'd pick up the hay bales and I think it was when I was about 13, 14 years old, and I actually participated in that. So, yeah, I can I have a little bit of understanding as far as that farm life, harvest season, doing all that kind of work goes. I just don't have it with cotton and that other stuff. <laughs> well, truthfully, this is all a new endeavor to me, too. I come from uh, working for the GOP, doing political fundraising and tech support. And I only got into farming because my girlfriend is very beautiful and she hustled me into it. So here I am, Farmer John. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she hustled you into it. Are you sure it's not because Bill Gates is buying up all the farmland? You know, he hasn't got this part of Georgia yet. I'm sure he's working his way over here, but we still have a pretty good lockdown here in the South. So Maybe another 10 years he'll own all this land, too. Who knows? My recommendation for anybody out there that's interested in working on farms who might find themselves employed by Bill Gates, learn about mosquitoes. <laughs> yes, we blow. Will. yes, we will. Yep, and also learn about infidelity and cuckolding, potentially. <clears throat> oh, damn. <laughs> well hey you know that all came out years a few years back it's public record now but yes we've heard about proverbs guy what about brett keen i noticed brett that you recently became a youtube partner in their partner program how do you feel about that well, it's obvious that the YouTube had some kind of road to Damascus thing. I just wish the light would have spread out towards guys like yourself as well as Mr. Proverbs. I believe that you guys, and I mean this at the bottom of my heart, I believe that you guys deserve it a lot more than I do and stuff. You guys are clean. You guys are very theological and all that. As where I can be kind of abrasive. I mean, just ask my haters. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I hope that you guys get it as well. 
well. And I would like to do anything possible to be able to speed up that process for you both. Yeah, I would love to do that. Now, in retrospect, my old YouTube channel that I had from January of 2015 through 2019, uh, that channel actually had enough subs and stats that would have qualified for the new monetization program. And if I had kept that for the last several years instead of deleting it back then and then starting over, I probably would be in the partner program now. But, but yeah, it would be cool to get to that point. I mean... I would not be surprised if I got to those requirements and then was denied repeatedly. I mean, it's happened to other people, but it would be cool just to say, yeah, it happened at one point. <laughs> yeah. Besides that, I one of the things I've been excited about, I don't know if either one of you, uh, this will matter for either one of you guys, but one of the greatest revolutionary games to ever be invented is coming out on Sunday, five days early for me, called Starfield. And I've already downloaded or preloaded the system, and I'm just waiting for the play button to activate. So I'm going to be traveling space, folks. Yeah. So, since I'm not actually familiar with Starfield, maybe you can explain to me what that is. Well, for anybody that's ever played the Elder Scrolls series, Skyrim, or Oblivion, or the Fallout series with the Apocalypse, imagine being able to play a game like that where you can leave the world and visit thousands of planets around solar systems and galaxies. And you can do everything from space pirating to being a a space trucker where you transport stuff, you can save people, you can visit and see new pre-generated planets with creatures that are invented on the fly. I mean, it is supposed to be the greatest game of all times and stuff, and it's been worked on for 25 years. So it's I'm going to probably put up some footage and all that. If you just type it in on YouTube, you're going to see that a lot of people are having seizures just freaking out waiting for it. So it's awesome. That's pretty cool. Just putting a little something there. Aha. There we go. So, yeah, I, that does sound interesting if you're into that genre of gaming. I myself, uh, in more recent years, have become a retro gamer kind of guy. But as far as the current games I still play, I'm very heavily into the whole indie football gaming scene that has emerged over the last like three, four years. And that part excites me because on September 13th, Access Football 2024, which is made by a Christian gaming company, is coming out on that day. And it's going to be the best iteration of that series. And then there's another one I like called Football Simulator that's supposed to be getting a big upgrade to their game in September. And then there's other indie games that are getting updates or have gotten updates that are pretty cool in that genre. So I, I do so much football gaming in my personal life outside of work and outside of TTOR that a lot of people find that really nerdy. <laughs> Nerdy's awesome. Does Proverbs Guy play any games since we've been on this tangent? Um, I don't have a lot of time to play games anymore because like, you know, as, as well as I do producing for a channel even and all the editing and all the background work, it's just a, a second full-time job. But I used to really like, uh, NCAA football in Madden. Ah, uh, yeah. 
So, yeah, yeah, see, I used to get all the NCAA football games back in the day. Uh, I had an NCAA 2005 and 07 for the PS2. Oh, yeah. And then on the 360, I had 09 through 14 at one point. What, Although what was I ended your team? up Oregon Ducks. Okay, go Oregon. Yeah. Uh, I ended up having to get rid of all the 360 games at one point due to a financial situation I was in. But these days, I have a PS2 emulator on my computer, which can go up to 4K resolution with any PS2 game. And oh, I have awesome. a. And I have NCAA Football 07 Dynasty mode going on my gaming channel through that. And let me tell you, when you play that game in 4K resolution, it actually looks just as good, if not better, than any of the more modern uh, games that came out over the years, especially the more recent games in the EA Madden series. Plus, it plays way better. So, <laughs> Yeah, PC, oh, no, T- PC has the upper hand. Sorry, Brett. Oh, I was going to say, I know TTUR seen this already. I put the link in, but Proverbs, have you, I've been designing a bunch of new t-shirts and all that. Did you see that one of the newest ones of work done? <laughs> no, let me go see this link. <laughs> yeah, you know I like the give, monkey. Give me one second and we will not deprive our viewing audience of this. Do, 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 do. Okay. By the way, I'm feeling lately like YouTube is getting just more and more tight on what people can say freely. And I'm not going to like give up on YouTube because I love the platform, but I am looking more seriously into alternative platforms. Uh, like I'm checking out Rumble. Um, I don't like being limited in my speech and I don't like being punished, uh, you know, for the type of content I produce if they don't deem it like appropriate oh it's gonna unfortunately proverbs it's gonna get much worse i'm talking a hundred times worse and the reason why is because the elections are coming up you'll notice anytime politics are out there and being that you're big into politics you'll probably notice the pattern that every time uh, the liberals are getting close to trying to get a leader they'll start knocking anybody down that supports the other side Mm. so that's what they did during the Trump thing over millions of YouTube channels lost their demonetization or lost their ability to communicate. That's one of the reasons why I'm being a lot more of a a sweetheart than usual, because I know that that's coming. Yeah. I, even I myself had two videos banned by YouTube this year for talking about things that I'm not going to repeat here since we're streaming on YouTube, but <laughs> I talk about them on my rumble bit shoot and all of my other channels and their respective videos, which is why alternatives are so important and why I've invested more. Well, I've been investing in alternatives to YouTube for the last six years, but more recently I've been investing more in specific ones like rumble because of this kind of thing. You have your own platform too, though, right, TTR? Yeah, I have my own YouTube alternative called Quarter, and it is in need of a little bit of maintenance, but it still plays videos reliably. has a lot of the same features that YouTube has, plus a couple more. I just need more infrastructure behind it and more of a marketing team for it. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, it's a nice side, and I could definitely use more income for that to make it bigger. The main things I would need money for is for more servers for storage and for making faster video encoders. Because the more 
the bigger and have more uh, resources that your encoding servers have in them as far as the hardware goes and the space, the more CPUs it has, et cetera, the quicker it can upload and process videos, even if they're of a higher resolution. Mm. Yeah. You're also affiliated with uh, Josh Who TV, though, correct? That is one of the video sharing sites that I upload to, yes. Uh, my friend Josh runs that one. Yeah, he Josh is pretty awesome, by the way. Yeah, he, uh, he's he been running his since 2000, I want to say 19. He's been running that site for quite a while. Although he is running into some money issues uh, that's causing the future of that site to be in question. Oh, Although he did recently get a sizable donation, so he's not going to be like shutting down tomorrow or anything. Oh, praise God. Yeah. But he uses the same open source script that I use, which is a video, which is a good uh, open source script to use for making a video site because uh, there's an active team behind it that's always improving on the script, whereas a lot of other video sharing site and other social media site scripts that are open source or have like a GitHub page or something uh, like they come out, they're made and people think it's awesome. But then the team that originally made it, they kind of stop updating and maintaining it over time. And eventually issues come up that never get resolved, like security issues or weaknesses in the script. I, think things, will, like I think things will get a little bit easier on you and Mr. Josh in the future. They're starting to come out with more technology that's got compression assets to it. A lot of people, they don't know how to like compress their videos, and then they have to put up gigabytes worth of stuff. My videos, I don't know if you know this, but through OBS, I got it set to where literally almost every video I do is under 100 megabytes every single time. And they look great, though. It's just all about setting up the compression right. Exactly. And that's one of the things I like about the new program I've been using to produce my videos for TTOR called Shotcut. It's an open source video editing software that is more modern than the one I was using. The one I was using before was Sony Movie Studio Platinum 13.0, which couldn't handle resolution beyond 1080p. Shotcut can do 4K resolution and beyond, and it's got way more tools than my old program did. Apparently, it's so high-powered that it actually works pretty much only on high-powered computers. I tried using it on my old laptop before this one, and yeah, I had trouble running Shotcut smoothly. But then I got it on this one, and it purrs like a kitten. So yeah, Shotcut is definitely a higher-end, uh, free open-source video editing software that I would definitely recommend that people use for editing their videos. And it also keeps the videos compressed, like Brett was saying. Because, like, I would record an OBS video, and it would be really low uh, size, but then I'd run it through Sony Movie Studio Platinum just to, like, add an intro and outro and reduce, uh, you know, cut out some stuff. And it would actually make the video file way bigger than it originally was. But Shotcut keeps it all compressed still. Awesome. I might do a tutorial on that as well, teach people how to make that happen. So you guys love the t-shirts? Pretty uh, sexy? Yes, evolution definitely is magic when you sit down and think about it deeply enough. Mm, agreed. Just think about, the, think about the paradigm of history that evolution teaches and all the things that allegedly happened. You start to realize that a lot of this stuff does sound like magic. 
especially when there's no source behind the thing that happens. Like, uh, just, you know, universe spawning into existence from nothing in an instant, but there's no cause behind it, no creator, no designer, no cause that is equal to or uh, greater than the effect, which is, you know, this reality we live in. And any number of steps along the way of the whole evolution narrative. My favorite one, though, is the more recent one I talked about on my uh, 10 Reasons Why I'm a Young Earth Creationist video. Because they would have you believe today that between 10,000 years ago and about 13 to 14,000 years ago, there was no magnetic field around the Earth. And because there was no magnetic field around the Earth, the Earth was bombarded by all kinds of cosmic rays that would have caused... Uh, the pre-humanoid ancestors we had who were on the earth at the time, and of course all the living creatures at the time, they would have been bombarded with cancers and other kinds of things that would have killed them all off over that, you know, three to 4,000 year span. And yet we're still here today, despite all that. So TTR, I don't know if you heard of this and you'll probably end up uh, wanting to look into this and make a video, but they have changed their view on the age of the universe and the Big Bang Theory. They are now saying that our universe is triple the amount of age now. They're saying that it's 30 billion years old, rounded off to the highest number. And they're saying that they may end up tacking on another billion years to the Earth. So this is really causing a lot of people to question, especially myself, because you both, I know you're young Earth creationist, and I have not been able to jump over to that that side just yet i keep listening to the information i think you guys present interesting arguments but the fact that they keep changing things over and over is really putting me in a state of confusion and it's really causing me to reprioritize my view on this you know what i mean yeah i've been meaning to get around to making a video about that but i guess i'll just pull this clip out for a video later so yeah, I am aware of that article, that study or whatever it is that that basically they're now trying to say the universe is 26, 27 billion years old instead of 13, 14 billion years old. And as someone who has actually studied uh, the history of this whole debate, I'm not surprised they did that. Ever since the whole thing with Charles Lyell and James Hutton creating the concept of deep time and using that to explain away the geology of the Earth, they have constantly over time been making the universe older and older and older. And the more evidence we find of God's existence and the truthfulness of the Bible and even evidence supporting a young earth creationism position on origins, the majority of the academic world keeps making the universe older and older. And there's one reason why they would do that, to make evolution more plausible. Because the more we learn about reality and how it works, we begin to realize that there is no way Jose evolution could have ever happened. And it's not even a matter of not even observing it, which is true, but it's a matter of principle. Evolution as a process takes so long to occur that nobody can live long enough to see it happen in action. Not even the pre-flood people of the time of Noah who were living to be almost a thousand years old. So because you can't live long enough to see it happen in action, 
you can't write it down as a historical occurrence and you can't set up an experiment to verify that it is indeed a naturally occurring phenomena like they tell us it is. And by definition, this means evolution is not science. But that's why before evolution came along as a theory, they created the concept of deep time because this is how they use deep time. Well, yeah, there's no observational evidence whatsoever that evolution has ever occurred, occurs today, or will ever occur. But you see, the universe is billions of years old. And at some point in that distant, unobservable past that nobody was around for, evolution occurred. And you can trust us when we say it because we're the highly educated professional authority figures telling you that it's true. We're totally not high priests of a new religion. <laughs> yeah, That's... besides it not being observed, it also can't be repeatable. Therefore, it doesn't fall in the definition of science. Absolutely correct, brother. If atheists were to say that evolution in billions of years was a scientific model that better explains reality than, say, the biblical worldview or young earth creationism, etc., that would be a more reasonable position and you could have an honest debate about evidence if that was what the debate was about. The problem is, is when you point this out to evolutionists, they freak out and throw ad hominems at you and all logic, reason, and rationality just flies out of their head, out of their brain, and they just turn into the blind, gullible sheeple that most of them are when faced with a real intellectual conversation that involves deep thinking. I'm not shocked, though. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys are shocked, but it's kind of the status quo for evolutionists, right? They double time as often as Congress doubles our debt. So this is nothing new. And uh, the big elephant in the room for me is the goalpost of the Big Bang being moved, right? For the longest time, they defended the position that the Big Bang was the creation magically of the universe. And now that is no longer the consensus. Uh, most of them are going with the theory that the universe is eternal and that the Big Bang is now just the rapid expansion of the universe. I think that is the big one that should be addressed. I really care less about the time. Well, that's absolutely right, too, Proverbs. They call it the steadfast theory for out there, anybody out there listening. And that was debunked 50 years ago uh, because of the radiation and how they've been able to access the universe. No matter what they claim the age is, it's pretty clear that the stars are spreading out. There's an expansion, and it comes from some point. If you follow the, the breadcrumbs, it gets smaller and smaller and ends up in what they call that singularity that they point out so they're not going to be able to knock that completely out of the water but they're going to cause people to scratch their head and wonder that's the best they're going to get the stupid people obviously go for anything they're told the sheep that ttor pointed out exactly and this little comment i have on screen from downright superb i do have a response to that Science changes as we gain more information. Science evolves all the time, like quantum mechanics after general relativity. That sounds really nice until you apply the logic to me and my worldview. Then you would reject that line of logic in a heartbeat. If I pointed out to you that the evidences that Christians appeal to to prove the truthfulness of their worldview changes over time as they gain more information and they find new information that supports their worldview. I don't think you'd tolerate that. 
I well, it's right, PCR. Saying, That's what my wife says about me. She says, over time, I age like fine wine. She says, I just keep getting sexier. But the atheists won't acknowledge the evidence. So, like, if there's an old argument that creationists used to make that turned out to be false, but then they reject the argument upon realizing this, and then they create a new argument based off of what is actually true, which is what I did with my one point in my 10 Reasons Why I'm a Young Earth Creationist video, where I talked about the whole uh, magnetic field reversal problem. I had an incorrect understanding of that problem and was teaching something that wasn't true. But then I realized what was actually being taught and realized that it still doesn't support their worldview at all and actually proves a young Earth is true. Mainly the fact that we're here instead of being dead because our ancestors were all wiped out by cancer 12,000 years ago. That kind of proves the Earth is young. The fact that we're still here. It also proves that you're intellectually honest when you know you're incorrect about something or you got your, your information a little confused, you fix it. And that's good. Yeah. And yet, no matter how many times I point out that an atheist is wrong and can prove it, the response is always, well, you're just stupid. You just need a proper scientific education. You need to go back to your local university and study evolutionary biology. Then you'll get it right. Well, I have atheists on my show all the time, and I enjoy having their company most of the time. And the atheists I have on my show are very much the same as yours, TTOR. They say the same stupid comments that, well, that's a great thing about science is that it updates. And it's really just a great cop-out. Like, we know that. It's a great cop-out. Um, and I asked an atheist, if you recognize that it changes so frequently, then you would agree that we should stop teaching it in public schools. And he said, why? I said, well, if you know the information is going to change or update, quote-unquote, every 10 years, we're filling their heads full of nonsense or stuff that we know isn't provable because it's open to change in 10 years. Why not give them more space in their head for math, real science, and education that matters? We're, we're teaching them theories that change so often, you can't even keep them straight. Yeah, at least if you're going to teach this kind of garbage in school, at least inform the young people out there that this is a theory that's changed a hundred times and can't just seem to figure it out. And as far as science being what they call a self-correcting system, come on, ladies and gentlemen, that's a faith-based assertion right there. By just claiming that sooner or later it'll have the answer, well, how do you know? How do you know it'll actually have the answer if there's no knowledge to it in the first place? You have to believe, right? <laughs> Every science book in the United States needs to have the disclaimer right on the cover that this is open to change. You know, what? since we're talking about this, I'm going to later on bring in a new topic to discuss uh, before we get to the David Wood video. Sounds good. I really, really think that the video that I was pointing out to you about the Darth Dawkins, not Darth yeah. Dawkins, but Richard Dawkins drones, it has a lot of clips of scientists straight up talking about exactly what we're talking about. One of the things that Richard Dawkins says is, even if I was given evidence of God, I wouldn't believe it. I'd simply write it out as a hallucination. So basically what he's saying is, even if he's given evidence, he won't accept it unless it goes along with his methodology. Right. And in response to downright superb's comment that you see here, 
the universe could be in a constant cycle of expansion and collapse. That's basically what they teach about the magnetic field of the Earth, is that it will increase in strength over time until it hits a point where it just magically disappears for a few thousand years. But then it comes back into existence and it starts decaying in reverse. It starts getting weaker and weaker until, wham, disappears for a few thousand years and then reappears again and goes the other direction. That's literally what they teach about the magnetic field of the Earth over time, is that it's in this cycle of getting weaker, disappearing, then getting stronger, then disappearing, then getting weaker, disappearing, and then getting stronger. The problem is what happens during those few thousand years when there's no magnetic field around the Earth to protect it from all the harmful crap out there. And one of the things that it brings is cancer. Without a magnetic field around the Earth for 4,000 years, cancer and other cosmic rays literally destroy all life on the Earth. And we know how bad cancers are. We know how fast-acting they are. And back, you know, thousands of years ago, allegedly, 14,000 years ago to 10,000 years ago, the medical technology we have today to reduce the impact of the effect of cancer didn't exist. So our previous ancestors, our previous versions of humans would have all been wiped out, you know, 11 to 14,000 years ago by all these cancers that were brought on by the lack of a magnetic field and all those harmful rays coming from the sun and other parts of space. I was going to say something, but I don't want to. I, there's certain things you can't talk about on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Downright Superb says, doesn't religion update as well? The various Abrahamic religions, Mormonism, and this new subset of Christians who decry the teachings of Jesus and are practically worshiping Trump? Yeah, that's called idolatry, and I'm definitely not part of that last subset you just described. But religion update. Well, it depends what you mean by update. If you mean when presented with new information that contradicts what you've been teaching but doesn't actually disprove your worldview, you then change your argument to match what reality is. I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, there are. I'll be more than happy to admit there are some churches out there that they feel peer pressured by society. And, you know, that happened in the uh, day of Jesus as well. I mean, it was a lot of the religious folks who were so stuck on their views and all that, that they actually used the Roman government to kill their own Messiah. So it is what it is. Just because religion and humans make bad choices does not somehow make God non-existent, though. Remember that. Exactly. If you look at the Bible, even, and you look at all of history, what you find is that ever since Jesus ascended to heaven following his resurrection, Christians have been compromising with the world the entire time. The same issues that Paul and the New Testament writers were dealing with after the time of Jesus are the same issues fundamentally that we are dealing with today. Nothing has changed in the last 2,000 years as far as the nature of humans and how we behave and how we react to things that contradict what we want to believe. So this idea of religion updating, well, isn't it updating just like science? And isn't isn't religion updating bad? It that's our buddy Drewski, by about. the way. TQ, huh? I don't know if you know, but that's our buddy Drewski. Oh, uh, downright superb. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wonder why he changed his username. 
Well, he's got a couple different YouTube channels. Oh, okay. That would explain it. I don't know why someone would claim that Christianity updates. I mean, that's the first for me. We go off the Abrahamic faith, and that goes back 4,000 years. So I feel like we have a 4,000-year-long track record of being consistent. Well, you're right about that, but atheists, from their perspective on the outside, when they see all these other denominations point out, or these friends groups like Mormonism and all that, for them, they mix it all into one you know, pot. Yeah. They don't differentiate. Exactly, and that's where he definitely needs to do his homework, because if you actually study Christian apologetics and what Bible-believing Christians think about these other groups— what you find is that Mormonism, Islam, and basically any derivative of those things absolutely contradicts what the Bible says about God and Jesus and a whole myriad of other things. And also they run into some very fallacious and self-defeating arguments outside of that. So those are not the same thing as the biblical worldview that I hold. I've done several videos in the past dealing with Mormonism I had one or two dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses. I had a couple over time dealing with Islam. Uh, those things are not part of the biblical worldview at all. The difference between the biblical worldview and those religions is that those religions' founders decided to, in essence, go their own way and create their own religion instead of accepting what the Bible says. And I know that's a huge oversimplification of what they actually did, but if you want to get right down to the nitty gritty, that's what it is. Let me uh, let me try to put it this way, because I've tried being technical and advanced with non-believers to describe this. It's kind of like this. Some of you out there, you probably like chocolate rice krispies and cocoa pebbles, right? You'll probably notice when you go to the store, there's a bunch of different brands and a bunch of different versions of it, but it's not quite cocoa pebbles or chocolate rice krispies, not even tastes like it. Well, that's the example. Just because there's other generic brands does not mean that it's the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> exactly. But as far as his comment, if religion can just be whatever you want your religious text to be, then leave me out of it. A lot of Christians, so-called, may fall into that category, but that ain't me. I'm one of those relatively rare Christians these days that does not do that. My religion is what the text actually says, and I spend most of my time in my apologetics videos defending what the Bible actually says from all of the religions and worldviews that contradict it. And so at various points, I have offended everybody, including people in my own camp, the Young Earth Creationism camp. So, yeah, I'm dedicated to what the Bible actually says, not reinterpreting it how I want it to be to fit whatever belief I want to have. That's just not the way I operate. It's never been the way I operate, although over time I've learned that a lot of people, unfortunately, do want to reinterpret the Bible to fit what they want to believe just because of the convenience it offers them. 
Oh, it's so another thing too, TTOR, is we're not like a lot of these friends groups where they go out knocking on doors and harassing people or pushing their ideology on anybody. Guys like me, Proverbs, and Mr. TTOR, we put our information on our own channels, basically in our own home, and people get to choose if they want to watch or listen. In fact, I'm going to do a tutorial video on how to go to the right side of your browser and click the X button when you don't like what you're seeing and hearing. <laughs> a lot of atheists don't know how to do that, believe it or not. I'm going to teach them how. Well, here's an interesting fact about our faith also. Uh, Christianity, well, Jesus Christ specifically, is mentioned in multiple religions, including religions that hate Christianity, like Islam. Islam even mentions Jesus Christ in a favorable way. But the Christian Bible does not mention any other religion in a favorable light. And that's because we are the standard. We are reality. We are what's true. Plus, when you look at Islam, it teaches that Jesus was just a mere prophet like Muhammad and that he was not God in human form, which makes some of the other teachings about Jesus that Islam teaches really weird because it portrays Jesus as being the Messiah and that the Christians should believe what their Gospels and New Testament says. But then it says if we do, then we're these horrible subhuman animals that have no rights. So it's kind of confusing when you get into Islam. But it is. Yeah. It, I always found that fascinating. I was actually hanging out in a Muslim room a few weeks ago, and they were saying, no, Jesus, uh, we respect him, but he was nothing but a prophet. And I said, well, that's kind of weird because your own Quran actually teaches that he was born through immaculate conception. He was the only man in your book who was born of a virgin and all that, not even uh, Muhammad had that uh, that blessing done to him. And they're like, whoa, uh, well, that <laughs> And it even teaches that Jesus was sinless, which is kind of weird because according to Islam, if human beings didn't sin, then Allah would wipe them out and replace them with people who would sin so that he could grant them mercy which means that by that logic, Jesus would have been Allah's biggest enemy, even though he was one of Allah's prophets, because he absolutely refused to sin. And that teaching also makes Satan the hero of Islam, because he got the entire world to sin and rebel against God, and by doing so, avoided getting wiped out by Allah. Yeah, and the atheists who say that if they did believe, they would believe Islam because it's more reliable— are not only ignorant to faith, but they're ignorant to history because the Gospels were written down 40 to 60 AD, 40 to 60 years after the time of Christ. Uh, the Quran was written down 600 years after the fact. So the statements they make like that are totally ignorant. Well, exactly. I agree. I agree. Although, and I'm uh, go ahead. Your timing's just a little bit off, like the dates you gave are right, but that would technically make it 10 to 30 years after the fact. Which is I really apologize. close to the, It's okay. Oh. I mean, it's really close to the events, though, compared to Islam, either way you slice it. Because you're thinking 40 to 60 years from Christ's birth until they were written down. But you're right. Islam and its teachings, and as far as the written parts are, those were put down on paper about 600-ish years after Jesus walked the earth, and they were also written down well after Muhammad passed. And there's all kinds of issues with Quranic text preservation that David Wood's gotten into over the years, but the fact of the matter is that Muhammad 
was born six centuries after Jesus, therefore never met him, never talked with him, doesn't know anything about Jesus on a personal level, whereas the people who wrote the New Testament, they talked with, they ate with, they walked with Jesus. They actually saw him and talked to him directly. And since some of the New Testament authors were some of his apostles, they had very intimate relationships with Jesus for a span of at least three years. So, yeah, they are in a much better position to know the real Jesus than Muhammad ever could be. Well, their version of God is really weak also, right? Because, like, their God talks to Muhammad and says, hey, write this down. And Muhammad says, I can't. I'm illiterate. And he's like, oh, okay. Our God tells Moses, hey, you tell them this. And he's like, no, I can't speak. And he's like, you shut up. You have a brother. You know, our God takes authority. There you yeah, go. God didn't give him a way out of that. Yeah. Yeah, and for any non-believer that might be wanting or feeling as though they want to switch over to uh, Islam, may I suggest something before you make that jump? Uh, go hang out in Bangladesh for a couple weeks. Uh, make sure you let them know that you're an atheist and see how that works out for you. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I actually came across an article recently that I think would be good to respond to. But before we get into that article, there's one last comment by Downright Superb we have to address. Do you eat shellfish or pork? Are you wearing mixed fabrics right now? That goes against the Bible. By making this comment, you have shown that you have never actually studied or read the Bible. Because if you had studied the Old and New Testaments, you would realize that the New Testament says that these kind of rules and regulations were done away with by Jesus when he established the new covenant. You could still do them if you want, but you don't have to as a Christian because Jesus upheld the Old Testament law perfectly. He was therefore the perfect sacrifice when he sacrificed himself on the cross and he paid for all of our sins and therefore also is all of our righteousness when we accept him. So even though we didn't follow all the Old Testament laws by accepting Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we get his righteousness imputed on us, and God will see us as though we did follow those laws about shellfish and pork and mixed fabrics in the past. Can I answer his question also? Yes. So I'm a Messianic Christian, and I do not eat shellfish or pork, and my fabrics are not mixed right now. So does he have a real question? Well, plus there's also the teaching of Jesus when he was uh, on the earth for, you know, doing his ministry for three years. He talked about how it's not what goes into your body and then coming out of your body afterwards that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your heart. And what this means is, by implication, there's no such thing as an unclean food. So you don't have to eat shellfish or pork, but there's nothing wrong if you do. And there's nothing wrong with eating foods that were previously considered unclean in the Old Covenant because Jesus declared all foods to be clean. So... When people use this kind of objection, it shows they don't really know their Bible. All right. So you said you had some videos for us that we were going to review. And by the way, before we do this, I do want to say that David Woods, he is incredible. He is a, a, just a fantastic uh, YouTuber. I've learned a lot from that guy. Okay. I, you're right. I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, share screen, and then we want to put on... There we go. 
Allow. So before we get into respond, watching his video and responding to it, I wanted to read and respond to this article on Creation Evolution headlines titled, Good Science Still Flourishing Without Darwinism. This article came out last week. This is what it says. After three days of taking Darwinians to task for their storytelling nonsense, readers might get the impression that Darwin bashing is all we do. No, we love good science. Researchers who do honest work deserve our thanks and support, especially those who improve the human condition. Take heart at just a few of the good things announced in the science news. For an attitude-setting introduction, watch this week's PragerU video by Marion Tuppy about how good life is today compared to previous times. Much of that progress was due to good, healthy scientific research. Here are a few research stories by scientists who could say, Darwinism, I have no need of that hypothesis. These researchers help us learn things about the world by applying systematic, logical thinking with data collected by observation and experiment. Is that not the essence of science? No storytelling required. Learn, publish, and maintain integrity throughout. Embryology. Maintaining symmetry during body access elongation. This team's only mention of evolution has nothing to do with Darwinism. They test a hypothesis of a model that evolves the position of the midline axis of a fruit fly embryo over time so that they could learn how an embryo maintains its left-right symmetry. Botany. Heat sensor protects the Venus flytrap from fire. The Venus flytrap has fascinated everyone since Darwin, but no Darwinism is found in this investigation. Researchers wondered how the plant can recoup after fire, though through cleverly designed experiments, they learned that the trigger hairs on the trap have specialized heat sensors that can de detect rapid changes in temperature. That way, they are not fooled by high temperatures alone, but by rapid rises. It allows them to hunker down in the grass, closing up shop till the temperature drops again. Biochemistry, deciphering the molecular dynamics of complex proteins. This article about how proteins come together into teams that function as a unit never mentions evolution. They invented a new technique using NMR spectroscopy and computer simulations to figure out how proteins move and connect in real time. So far, they have only used it on some of the simplest molecular interactions, but hope their technique will become more widely used to solve bigger puzzles. Ecology. Two-thirds of the world's biodiversity lives in the soil. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Understanding our world includes understanding the distribution of organisms in it. A massive project to inventory soil organisms found some surprises. The group with the highest portion of species living in the soil is fungi. 90% of them live there. They are followed by plants and their roots with 86%. Earthworms and mollusks, such as snails, make up 20%. However, no one has yet attempted to estimate the diversity of the very small organisms such as bacteria, viruses, archaea, fungi, and unicellular organisms, says the first author, Mark Anthony from WSL. Yet they are crucial for recycling nutrients in the soil, for carbon storage, and they are important as pathogens and partners of trees. The paper in PNAS mentions evolution three times, but it's hard to see how the E-word helps that text in any way. Evolution is not mentioned in the press release at all. Instead, the focus is on understanding for stewardship. It shows that the diversity in soils is great and correspondingly important, so they should be given much more consideration in conservation. And last one, before we stop reading through this, neuroscience. 
Gap junctions, the missing piece in the connection, uh, the connectum. Two authors explored the previously underappreciated function of gap junctions in neurons. Much past science on fruit flies was wasted on Darwinism, trying to show how induced mutations of x-rays might cause improvements. Not these writers. The authors show a design that was not understood. According to a recent paper they analyzed, gap junctions helped explain how fruit flies keep their wings in sync with a steady wing beat wing beat frequency so the point of sharing these uh, various articles that are summarized is that there is a lot of science being done that does good observational science based on observation in the presence following the scientific method and doing sound research and evolution deep time billions of years big bang cosmology has no impact on it at all but yet, if you were to talk to atheists today, they would tell you that, oh, man, you cannot do science unless you accept evolution and billions of years. You just can't do it, man. You can't do it. You have to be an evolutionist and a believer in deep time in order to be a real scientist. And yet we see scientists all the time doing good scientific work without ever needing to reach into their bag and say, ah, evolution, ah, deep time. Uh, this will improve my research. Uh, no, <laughs> doesn't happen. You know what's really interesting too, TTR, and this is the thing that blows my mind. Whenever I was a non-believer and I really started researching all the different fields of science, I discovered that over 95% of the scientists that exist in the world today and throughout time have all been theists. Every revolutionary thing, every medical device, everything having to do with physics or cosmology, the universe, it's all been, even Darwin himself claims in his own autobiography to be a theist that evolution wouldn't even work without the concept of God. The point is, is not only are the theists the majority of science, but we invented it. We also put together the math and the creativity and the art, and we also kept great um, archives of information of humanity and the history. I watch a lot of uh, stuff on YouTube like ancestry and genealogies. And if it wasn't for the churches, we wouldn't know what was going on all the way back in the 1800s, the 1700s, the Holocaust, what happened during the days of slavery. If it wasn't for the church being able to archive everything since the dawn of man. So I find that interesting that they say, ah, religious people don't know nothing about science. We're the ones that put it together. And the fact that we question when theories come out, that's critical thinking. That's what critical thinking actually is. If it wasn't for us questioning that, it wouldn't get better. Exactly. And Brett is absolutely right. Although not every field of modern science was founded by a Christian or a theist, the vast majority of them were. So it is not unreasonable to conclude that without Christianity, or at least without theism of some kind, modern science, as atheists love to proclaim it, wouldn't exist. Everything that they try to use to disprove the Bible, disprove Christianity, disprove creationism in all its forms... The very mechanism, the very institutions that they're trying to use to do that were made by Christians and theists. 
See, the reason why I think that a lot of a lot of non-believers get this weird idea that somehow there's a lot of atheists in science is because they have a handful of them that come out and run their mouth all the time. They're so busy running their mouth and hating on theism and not actually doing science that it might get that idea. It's like the big mouth gets the attention. As where the Christian theists are still in the lab and actually working on things, the atheists are too busy running their mouth to do any actual science. Exactly. And before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge Mr. TRWZ8. Welcome. I saw you there. <laughs> uh, oh, Bubble Bubblegum Gun says, make academia theist again. Yeah, I, I think that would be an improvement over the current state of things for sure. You know, at least give us the freedom to reject what we're being told about evolution in billions of years and you know, be able to complete our college courses and get our degrees without threats of being blackballed for having wrong think. That would be fantastic. Of course, I documented a long time ago in my books and older videos that the reason why atheists and evolutionists are bound and determined to keep any mention of creationism or the biblical worldview out of academic discussions on origins is because they know for a fact that if college students and younger students of like high school, middle school, et cetera, were presented with both sides of the origins discussion and evidence for both sides was allowed to be discussed, they acknowledge that some students would leave evolution in billions of years for creationism based on evidence. Eugenie Scott herself said so, and she's one of the more prominent evolutionist activists that has existed in history. And so because of that, that's why people like her said we can't allow uh, creationism to be taught in schools and in universities. And this was also why we can't have debates with creationists, because if we have a debate that gives their position validity, and if people think that their position is valid and they consider the evidence for it and they consider the evidence for evolution, they think about it and they do that, some people are going to conclude that creationism has a stronger case than evolution. And that thought is so abhorrent to atheists, they can't stand it. They can't let academia present both sides of the origins debate equally. It just well, can't happen. The, the deck is stacked against us also, or the benchmark is set much higher for us. For instance, if evolutionists through archaeology dig up rocks with the indents of fish bones in it, that's proof of their theory. But when archaeology digs up the whole city of David, that doesn't prove the Bible somehow. Or that David, you know, existed because that used to be a thing they said. Well, that King David guy that Jesus allegedly descended from, he never existed. And then, of course, they find that. And they also found some artifact from one of uh, Israel's enemies from back then where they were literally celebrating their victory in a battle over the Davidic monarchy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well... Like, yeah, I, I think uh, I think David existed. Well, not just that, but we have multiple archaeological discoveries that prove beneath a shadow of doubt Solomon existed. He's mentioned in all sorts of other cultures, and he's the son of David. So right. that wasn't stupid to begin with. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's an unfair goal they set for us. And no, and no matter how many cities of David we unearth, it won't be evidence for them. Uh, but we have to continue to accept their rocks with the indents of fish bones as evidence. So... No matter how we play, we're we're set to lose this game. 
Proverbs and TTOR. I don't know if you guys have seen some of these uh, newer documentaries that have been coming out, but they believe they found the remnants of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they claim that it appears as though a nuke hit the, the area. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> yeah, so the location... It could be where... that fire and brimstone God rained on them a few thousand years ago. <laughs> well, the location that you're talking about, it also has a uh, concentration of the highest potency of sulfur balls found anywhere around the world. And they're scattered thousands, hundreds of thousands of them. I got to hold one at Ron Wyatt's widowed wife's house. And the sulfur is so strong to this day, I washed my hand with Dawn dish soap, with all kinds of soap, and my hand smelled like sulfur for three days after holding that sulfur ball from Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow, that is fascinating. I definitely would not mind that. Although I will tell my fun story. Uh, in 2016, I got the privilege and lucky I got to attend the last Seattle Creation Conference, which is basically a conference where a bunch of different young earth creationist apologists come together. They give presentations over the course of two days. And then during the time between presentations, they have these tables set up where you could get apologetics books, apologetics videos, and all other kinds of ministry trinkets and whatnot from the ministry that was hosting the conference as well as the ministries of the apologists who were there presenting. I got a lot of cool books and stuff from that conference, but it was a great experience because one of the people who spoke there was, I believe his name's Dennis Miller. He's the one who wrote about the, uh, oh, the artifacts that have drawings of dinosaurs on them that turned out to be atomically accurate, at least based off of our current understanding of what dinosaurs looked like and yeah the something were, stones oh, it's the inca stones that's yeah. what it is he actually had replicas of the inca stones and some of the vases that had the same drawings on it that he was allowing people to look at and i actually got to hold those replicas in my hand and see it with my own eyeballs and i have to admit that was actually pretty cool it would have been different to hold the actual thing but the replica was a pretty close second well, you know, the Saudi government has now officially recognized Mount Sinai as the actual Mount Sinai, and they're going to open it up to travel. They still have the split rock there. Uh, they have all the inscriptions of the bulls on the stones. Um, all of it is still there intact. Hmm, interesting. Uh, the Inca stones are frauds, says the comment section. And, you know, that's also what anyone says when... They realize that the Inca stones contradicts what evolution teaches about when dinosaurs and humans existed. The, the frauds accusation comes out pretty quickly. Now, Dennis Miller did point out that there are, uh, there are some Inca stones and artifacts that were fabricated, but he has possession of like the real ones that are not frauds. It kind of reminds me of a couple years ago, when there was this National Geographic article about this Bible museum in Washington, D.C., and how all 102 of the fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls that they had turned out to be forgeries. And so some non-believers and some pagans like Von Helton were claiming that this was evidence that all 100,000 of the Dead Sea Scrolls we had 
for all forgeries. Of course, you read the actual National Geographic article, and in paragraph five, it literally says that this whole thing with the museum does not uh, challenge or disprove the authenticity of the 100,000 Dead Sea Scrolls that they already had prior to 2002. I got a question for you, uh, TTOR, as well as Proverbs. Have you guys uh, heard of these stones and these cave drawings where uh, primitive men were actually uh, drawing imagery of them standing near or actually mounting what appears to be a dinosaur? Uh Uh-uh. I think so, but it's been a while. Well, there's ancient ruins that actually have like engravings of a man who appears to be mounted on a triceratops. I don't know if you guys know what that is. If you've seen Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park, it's that creature that's on all fours and has horns on the front of its face and the big shell on the back of its head. So that's been making me question a lot lately. It's been making me wonder, why is it that primitive men would be drawing these full-fledged deals? And I heard an atheist argue... Well, maybe they found fossils and then they, this is the, their imagination of what the thing may have looked like. Do you realize how many computer blueprints and uh, presentations that you have to be able to look at to be able to even put something like that together? Primitive man would not have been able to look at a piece of bone and say, ah, this is the autonomy of a a full-blown dinosaur. And why is he on top of the dinosaur? You know what I mean? They're basically riding it like a World of Warcraft mount. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, maybe there's some truth to this whole young earth creationism because it actually is showing you that primitive men walked with dinosaurs. There's a lot of information out there, ladies and gentlemen, you may want to look at. Now, there are a couple things that may be what you were talking about earlier, TTOR, where some people did some fraudulent things, but not all of it. Not the ruins, not the cave drawings, all that. It's been aged. Exactly. Before we go any further, uh, I see you there, Missing Mod, and I see you there, Big Bad Mama. Good to see you in the room. And before we move on, I what was I going to say? I'll remember it later. Now let's get to something I've been looking forward to. We're going to watch one of David Wood's recent videos talking about how the rise of atheism coincides with the rise of stupidity in Americans. (laughs) It's pretty compelling. I I watched all but the last two minutes, but I'm going to enjoy it the second time around. I just know I am. He should have used some of the footage from Neil deGrasse Tyson as well. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson recently put out a video after David Wood stating the same thing, that something's wrong. Humans are basically de-evolving into a puddle of stupid. Oh, hold on a sec. I got to check. Uh, check one thing. Share screen. Uh, okay, so... Let me know if you guys can hear the audio of the video. It's very quiet, sir. It's You can hear it, but it's really quiet? Quiet to the point where you strain. Okay. I'm not sure how I can turn that up. Is the volume up on the video? Yeah, it should be. Hold on. Um, let me go here. Yep. It's all the way. You may have to go into your settings and actually check it to where it has the audio play through. 
Are we talking about uh, the settings on my... Or near stream yards. Yeah, there's a... Should be a... Something in there. Wait a minute. Where is it now? Oh, it's whenever you do the screen share, there's going to be an option at the bottom that tells you to check it. So the audio plays through good for you. Yeah, they've moved a lot of stuff around their TTR. We ought to go visit the StreamYards developers and give them a good slap in the mouth. Yeah, the only option I see here, it says mute website notifications while sharing. It doesn't give me an option to enable audio for that tab. Oh, I just noticed Big Bad Mama out there. I guess she's taking a break from our, you know, our buddy Kent or something like that. Come over here to visit us. What a blessing. Does Big Bad Mama ever come on your channel? Because he refuses to come on mine. Now, I don't have any hatred or aggravation towards this person, but I do notice that this person, as well as the uh, the one that uses the avatar, the baby crying, the creation of something, why don't they ever come in and actually have an intellectual conversation? And I mean that. I, I don't intend to bend you over my knee and spank you, which you'd probably get excited about anyway. I just want to talk to you. I want to understand what you believe and what your ideas are. Is this any better? Unfortunately, no. I mean, I, I have seen the video and I can give a rundown to... Uh, Mr. Proverbs, so he can understand what it is that we're trying to check out here. We can promote David Wood's channel if you can't get it to work, the audio. Yeah, it's different when I run this on Firefox versus uh, Opera or Iridium browser. It so you want me to run down a kind of a concept of what it's about, and then you guys basically tear it up? Yeah, give us their selling points, and we will take their heads. Well, I can summarize it pretty well, too. Uh, hold on a second. Where... Well, go ahead there, handsome. Yeah, I just had to hide that comment. So basically what David Wood was doing is he was responding to some recent Bill Maher segments and clips. On the one hand, Bill Maher was celebrating how the rise of atheism was so great, like over the last couple of decades went from like, 5% of people being atheists to like 32% of people are now non-religious. And when you go to current millennials, you actually have the first generation in American history of millennials that Christians make up the minority of that group. And he was celebrating this like it was a great thing. But then at the same time, he's also talking about how those same people, those same, you know, millennial American people in general, are becoming stupider and stupider and stupider over this course of time. And basically how we become so stupid that frankly, our country can't function anymore. So on the one hand, he's celebrating, you know, the rise of atheism, but then at the same time, he's condemning the rise of stupidity that's occurring right alongside with it. Oh, that's really strange. <laughs> One of the reasons why this is happening, ladies and gentlemen, this is the big theory on it, is we've become a part of a technological age where we, our attention span basically goes to shorts and TikTok videos and, and little bitty uh, spurts of information. 
and we don't absorb it. We just kind of watch things for entertainment or on the fly, and that's not enough to be able to really understand what it is that you're looking at. Like, for instance, if you go watch a 30-second short about the Big Bang and it says, oh, from a singularity, there's an expansion. Well, that doesn't teach you the process or the information behind it or why they came to the point that they believe that this happened. As where back in the day, during me and TTOR and Proverbs time, we actually went to school, read books and all that, which reading books doesn't seem to be a big thing for the younger people and generation. People are getting stupid. You know, it's like when you run into an atheist and he's telling you about a book he never read called the Bible, trying to argue with you about something he's never even educated himself on. That's the problem we're running into. And that's why it's coming down to stupidity. Exactly. And you're absolutely right, though, about these short attention spans that people have nowadays. I remember not that long ago being able to put out a 10, 12, 20 minute video talking about a serious topic. People in general would be willing to sit down and watch your video. But then in more recent years, I've had people complain that my videos are too long, even though it only takes literally 10 to 20 minutes of your time. And, oh, yeah, you, you need to condense that to less than five minutes. It's like, and now, of course, you got the whole TikTok generation, YouTube shorts, and all the other similar things where people can't even watch anything that's longer than 60 seconds now. It's like they have no attention span to do any deep thinking or watch any lengthy exposés or more informational videos. And they just can't handle it because they've been socially engineered through technology to not even have an attention span, much less do any deep thinking now. Now, you'll notice, too, that even if there are a couple YouTubers who still have the formula of, like, reviewing a video, you'll notice whenever they're reviewing a science video, they speed it up where it sounds like the chipmunks are singing it. You know what I mean? You, you can't absorb any of that information whatsoever. Basically, humanity's become more visual. They're, they're looking for that quick spurt of information, and that's it. And that's not enough, you know, because you know what's going to happen, right? The moment they watch that, they're going to be on to watching Care Bears or My Little Pony and then a hundred other things, and they're just simply not going to remember the thing they watched a hundred videos ago. Right. Now, that's not to say short videos are bad in general. Uh, for my job, I use Adobe Premiere Pro to put together all the programs I do for my church. And I've had on many occasions last few months had to go onto YouTube and find tutorials that show me how to do a specific function or perform a specific task within that program. And some of those videos are only like two to three minutes long, but the task that they're trying to help you with doesn't take very long. So two to three minutes is overkill. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But yeah, that seems to be, uh, it seems to be really, really heavily affecting the atheist community. And this is according to Neil deGrasse Tyson. This is according to a lot of science sources and all this. It appears as though humanity is getting more dumb. Yeah, and it's weird because you would think if the atheists were right and that Christians like me were and Proverbs guy were just a bunch of dumb hicks who don't know anything about any field of knowledge whatsoever... You would think that the rise in stupidity that's been going on over the last decade would coincide with a rise in Christianity or a rise in theism or something like that. But theism and Christianity is actually going down, and it's the atheism and the agnostics that are on the rise. 
alongside with the increase in stupidity. It's kind of weird how that works out, right? Well, it's not just the... Go ahead, Proverbs. Sorry. I was going to say, I may not be a smart man, but I know what statistics is. My mama bought me some magic shoes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not just uh, stupidity and dumbness, as I've said countless times. As the rise of atheism happens in America, as does the suicide rate, as does the substance abuse, as does the crimes and the killing. We can see in schools that socialism and communism is being taught and all that. We can see that people are turning against their own country because they don't understand the history. We're literally watching on the news them destroying statues and historical archives as where 20 years ago people would have been sick and disgusted by that because that is our history. And you know what they say, if you destroy your history... And we don't know what you did before. You're not going to be able to learn and do better in the future. You have to have the mistakes and the flaws of the past to remind you what not to do in the future. Exactly. Those who do know history or forget history are doomed to repeat it. And that's been going on a lot lately. Oh, yeah. I like what uh, Jerry Steen said. Idiocracy is coming true. Uh, Correction. It already has. (laughs) <laughs> well are we to the point where it's all about mountain dew to water our plants well like the emoji systems that we all have on our phones now you realize that's almost a perfect carbon copy of that uh dashboard at the hospital in that movie right when he went to the nurse at the hospital and he's or the receptionist at the hospital and he's describing his symptoms to her and she's all confused because she's just got this keyboard of emojis in front of her and none of them describe the pain that he's feeling. So she's all horribly confused. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but our emoji uh, keyboards on our phones and other apps are just are laid out almost exactly like that dashboard in that movie. That part's We're- creepy. It causes a disconnection with humanity, doesn't it? People don't even want to talk to each other. They just want to, well, how's your day? You know, with a pre-already post for you to click on. And the person puts up a little smiley face, and that's the end of your interaction. Isn't that weird? The Internet was supposed to be about connecting with people, but it's actually disconnecting people. Yeah, there is a definite disconnect going on. But I think it's also the result of ideological echo chambers that have been taking place all over time, but especially over the last decade. Uh, you see it with all kinds of groups, Christian or otherwise, but it's especially true of the atheists on YouTube. They are definitely their own echo chamber because I can go to basically any atheist video on YouTube right now. And if I go to the comments section of said video, I will see a wall of affirmations and positive comments. Oh, you did so good. Yeah, you showed that Christian. You destroyed that creationist. Yeah, you go, girl. You go, guy. You know, stuff like that. You almost never, ever find any kind of dissent or negative comments of any kind in their comments section. I mean, it's as echo chambery as an echo chamber can get, if you know what I'm saying. I think that's part of the problem, too, is that we build up our echo chambers and we're unwilling to allow any kind of dissent to pierce them. I mean, it is good on one hand to have fellowship with people who hold similar similar beliefs and values to you. 
But if that involves not allowing any kind of dissent at all to occur in your life, then you're probably going to be prone to believing all kinds of lies and horrible misinformation over time. So to keep atheists based in reality, should we start leaving negative comments on their videos? Just stuff like, you have a face only God could love, you better find him? Oh, that's rough. No, you don't need to get that rough. You just okay. need to point out... You just need to point out flaws in their logic, their arguments, etc. Just that alone is enough to trigger them. See, it's good that we talk these things out now. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're, we're all having fun here. You know, we were talking about the David Woods uh, video. He's got another one I was talking about earlier uh, called the Dawkins drones and all that. I love that term for it. Well, he said... Uh, he said when someone asked him, they said, if you, what kind of evidence would it take for you to believe in God? And he said, well, even if something appeared in front of me, even if it was like Jesus Christ with his hands open, that he would just consider it a hallucination. And he, then the person said, well, what if you went outside one day and you looked up into the sky and the stars were arranged in a way where it was a message saying, I am God, I am here. No matter what was said to Richard Dawkins, he said he would not believe or he wouldn't accept. And he's and what that tells me is this is a guy who claims that evidence is important for him, that he's based in a model of reality, but nothing that he's given he will accept unless it's something that he likes. But there's also another problem I don't think the man even thought about. If you don't know what is real and you can't comprehend what evidence is, then what the hell are you doing in the science department anyway? How do you know that your evolution is nothing more than a delusion? You know, Darwin was a junkie. He thought he was a monkey kind of attitude. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that entirely. Hmm. Uh, it's just strange times that we live in. Very strange. But yeah, atheists very much do not like anything in reality that contradicts their beliefs it is actually an a uh, well i don't know for sure that he's an atheist he could have been an agnostic but it's hard to tell from the article he wrote scott c todd wrote an article in nature journal in 1999 responding to a debate between a creationist and an evolutionist and at the end of this article he literally said that even if all the data in reality supports intelligent design i.e. creationism, such a hypothesis is excluded from science because it is not a naturalistic explanation of origins. If that doesn't prove that atheists don't care one bit about evidence, I don't know what will. I mean, when you're at the point where you're willing to throw out all of reality if it contradicts what you want to believe, you're not a person of logic, reason, rationality, evidence, or science you're a religious person. You're a person with a blind, gullible faith, and you will not allow anything to shake that faith, even if all of reality disproves your faith. That is literally the position of an atheist when taken to its logical conclusion and when they have maximum zeal. So when Richard Dawkins says that nothing can convince him that God exists, even if Jesus himself were to appear before him in front of a whole bunch of witnesses, he would just assume that's a delusion and continue rejecting God. 
that proves that he's not a man of logic, reason, rationality, evidence, or science. He's just a zealous atheist. He's a religious person with far more zeal than I have, to be honest. I mean, if I had actual hard evidence that proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that my worldview is false, I couldn't go forward and claim to be a Christian. But right. that doesn't that doesn't happen because there is no such evidence. There's evidence to the contrary. There's evidence that is bona fide and irrefutable that the God, the Bible exists and that the biblical worldview is true. The biblical explanation of origins is true. And so, yeah, I don't have to go down that hypothetical road. I've heard atheists uh, parrot what you're talking about where they say, eh, if it's not within nature or can't be described to nature, then basically they don't want to entertain it in any kind of way. Best way to deal with that, and that's how I've dealt with atheists in the past, is I ask them to define what nature is. And I ask them to also, because they like to throw around magical words like logic and rationality, I say, can you define where that comes from and how that came into existence and why that was even naturally uh, dependent on you in any kind of way? They can't even explain. Have you ever tried asking an atheist to define nature? And if they try to, then ask them how the Big Bang works since it worked outside of space and time. Oof. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And TRWZ8 says, interesting, I'm going to have to find that article, thanks. What's it called again? Well, you don't need to go looking for that article because I got it for you in the comments section. Just copy and paste that into a new tab and see that I'm not lying. It's the very last paragraph of that article, TRWZ. But yes, the, it is. Go ahead. What was the person asking about? I'm sorry, I missed the part where they were being specific. They were asking for the article that I was referring to where Scott C. Todd said what he said. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. So now we're hour and a half in and I got a couple more things to hit. So we're going to go back to the screen share. You can do it. Yes, I can. I can click buttons. Yeah. Oh, Proverbs left. No. He might have got disconnected. He usually does things through a phone. Ah, okay. That would make sense. Oh, why is that? Gonna be, sure? I'm going to be doing a show on Saturday. If you find the time, I'd love to have you in. Uh, we got a guy called Captain Stump who's coming in. He's going to be talking about uh, Genesis and Revelation. Cool. Okay, well, that's giving me some problems. There we go. All right, so that's giving me issues. So here on screen, Brett, we have a tweet by CNN sharing a link to an article about how two men in Uganda are facing separate charges of aggravated homosexuality, an offense punishable by death under the country's controversial new anti-gay laws. Now, if you were to just ignore the community note underneath and not actually read the article, you would think to yourself, if you were just looking at this tweet and passing, oh my gosh, homosexuals are being persecuted in Uganda simply for being homosexuals. But then, if you actually read the article, you realize the same thing the community note says. The headline misleads. 
The story tells of one man performing sex with a man with a disability. Oh, God. And the other for having sex with a same-sex child under 12. Oh, you mean a homosexual pedo? Oh, no wonder you wanted to hide that. (laughs) It's also important to point out, too, that the uh, I believe the victims of this were this was done against their will. They were forced. So it's a form of rape. I don't know why they put the whole homosexual thing up there unless they were trying to make it out to look like they were being persecuted for their homosexuality. It just doesn't make sense. No, the, these people were being punished because they took advantage of a disabled person and a child. I see you can't even trust the news media anymore. They just oh. constantly they're trying to push an agenda and they don't really care about the actual facts of what happened to the victims. Yep, victims mean nothing. If you expose their abuser who happens to be a pedo, they claim you're attacking the LGBTQ community. It's quite disgusting indeed. I think it's important to point out, though, to the audience out there so they don't start getting freaked out. Remember that attention span deal? Um, I'm not going to speak for TTR. You can say what he wants to on this, but I have no interest, nor do I uh, endorse the idea of consenting adults who are homosexuals being harmed in any kind of way. No. If that is what they've chosen as adults to do with their life, then they have free will. They can do with their life as they want to. I'm not going to say it's right, but I'm not going to endorse any kind of harm done to them. However, if you hurt a child or you hurt someone who is disabled and can't defend themselves, then I believe that the worst punishment possible is deserved. Yep. And one of the things you find when you really study the issue deeply is that a lot of people who are homosexuals today were sexually abused by homos when they were kids. It's I don't think it's a majority of homos that exist today were abused as kids, but the number of them that exist is high enough that it's staggering and it's shocking, and it's one of those things that makes you go, why on earth am I defending these people? Why on earth am I making myself an ally to this community when so many of the people in their community are degenerate sex offenders who abuse kids. And thus well, you know, extend, you know, just so, as well as I teach you are that there's been a huge uh, uprising of different groups like, uh, what is that one group out there? Gays they, against LGBTQ. Gays against yeah. So that is that is refreshing to see that uh, homosexuals are actually fighting against the LGBT. They're basically saying, this isn't what we signed up for. This isn't what we're into. So that is refreshing to see that not all of them are just sitting back saying it's okay. Yeah, that is refreshing to see. But the, it actually kind of makes sense that the what I just said is the case. If I, you know how many people in the LGBTQ community were abused as kids. Because as we all know, homosexual people cannot have sex and procreate like heterosexual people do they just can't and so they can't like you know do that to grow the lgbtq community so they not only have to indoctrinate your kids through the school system but they also have to do the dirty in order to expand their community 
So well, you're, you you are you are right technically, but obviously you're aware, just as I am, that there are people out there called bisexuals, and I believe the definition of that is if you buy me something, I get sexual. Uh, <laughs> I wish that's what it meant. No, uh, yeah, I get it. There's people that swing both ways, and there's people in the LGBTQ community who are not fans of pedos, to say the least. But unfortunately. They kind of opened the black box years ago when it came to legalizing homosexuality through the legalization of homosexual marriage. We warned them back then that if they went down this road, pedophilia would be normalized. And they told us we were crazy and stupid, but it's happening now in real time. So, I mean... Right, a lot of the a, a lot of the same arguments that were used for homosexuality, unfortunately, have been hijacked by the groomers and the pedophiles. See, the big thing that homosexuals used to argue is you can see homosexuality in nature, right? A dolphin will tickle another one's tail, so therefore mm-hmm. that must be okay for humans kind of argument. Well, the problem is, is that animals also molest their young. Uh, there are, you know, cats out there and, and elks and all that that will sit there and fondle or molest a, a younger animal and stuff. So it is what it is. And, of course, there's creatures that will mess with other forms of creatures out there. I don't have to get into all this kind of sickness, but you get the point, right, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, and there's one thing I want atheists and non-believers to chew on before we uh, move on to the last thing I wanted to look at. Uh, while I am grateful that there are people in the atheist community and in the LGBTQ community that are not pro-pedophilia, here's a fact of reality that is irrefutable if it's true, and it's going to keep you up at night if you actually think about it. If atheism is true, and there is no God, and therefore there is no objective moral standard that exists outside of the human mind, by which to judge whether something is right or wrong, then the sad reality is that there's technically nothing wrong with pedophilia, if atheism is true. Well, that's right. You get any atheists in a room, and you've probably heard me throw out this question, and I know you've thrown out some stuff. We get an atheist in here right now to simply ask, is it objectively immoral to, you know, do something horrible to a child or brutalize an old woman or kick some old lady out in the middle of a banana truck that's coming by. They can't give you any kind of object. All they can do is subjective opinion. And we can't base laws just on stupid opinions and views and all that because they will find loopholes to get around that. Yep. And, of course, the answer to that person is if atheism is true, there's nothing wrong with anything. There's also nothing right with anything. Things just are what they are, and we have our subjective opinions about it. But when you point this out to those atheists, they tend generally to lose their minds. They won't agree with you. (laughs) Well, even if they won't uh, agree with the information that we're providing them, you could actually see it in real time with godless politicians. What do they call it? They call it progress. And what are they actually trying to do? They're basically saying that they want a country that doesn't have uh, Republican values, doesn't have democracy, but is what they call progressive, which means absolute anarchy. 
No rules, no cops, no nothing to protect society. Just everything goes and let's get rid of anything we just don't like, including our history. Exactly. Now, the last thing I wanted to look at actually comes from uh, NIH, which is Anthony Fauci's organization. It's an article from 2005 that was recently making rounds on X, formerly known as Twitter. The article in question comes from Psychological Rep from February of 2005. It's called Child Molestations by Homosexual Foster Parents in Illinois, 1997 through 2002. Now, I don't have the actual article in front of me because it's hidden behind a paywall, but we do have the abstract, and this is the abstract that people were referring to when they were using these for community notes on X. Abstract reads, do those who engage in homosexuality disproportionately sexually abuse foster or adoptive children as reported by Child Protective Services? Illinois Child Services reported sexual abuse for 1997 through 2002. 270 parents committed substantiated sexual offenses against foster or subsidized adoptive children. 67 of 97 of these mother and 148 of 173 of these father perpetuators sexually abused girls. 30 of the mothers and 25 of the father perpetrators sexually abused boys. I.e., 92, 34% of the perpetrators homosexually abused their charges. Of these parents, 15 both physically and sexually abused charges, daughters by eight of the mothers and four of the fathers, sons by three of the mothers, i.e., same-sex perpetrators were involved in 53%. Thus, homosexual practitioners were proportionally more apt to abuse foster or adoptive children sexually. Now, I'm not sure by reading that abstract where they're getting the 53% number, but we are getting two definitive things from this abstract. One is that 34% of the convicted perpetrators uh, of child sexual abuse were homosexuals. And the concluding sentence of the abstract says that homosexual practitioners were proportionally more apt to abuse foster or adoptive children sexually. And this was back in 2005, just studying cases that occurred from 1997 through 2002. I'm not a betting man, Brett, but how much you want to bet that those numbers, not just in Illinois, but nationwide at least, if not worldwide, are a lot higher in the more modern years, especially now that they're openly grooming kids in the public education system. I believe the numbers are actually a lot higher in that society, for whatever reason, has been skewing the numbers for the longest time. I mean, all we got to do is just watch the news reports all the way back into the 70s. Uh, atheists are fond of bringing up the scandals that happened with Catholicism, right? Well, what were those scandals? Let's Let's think about this priest and boy, wouldn't that not be considered, you know, gender on gender, you know, uh, homosexual on boy type of thing, male on male. So if, if you really, really think about it, it's always been a homosexual act. And yes, you unfortunately hear your cases of a father doing something to his daughter and incest and all that, but a majority of it is, is that. And that, I think that's something that humanity needs to seriously take a look at and figure it out. Drag that shit to a lab or something, you know what I mean? 
Exactly. And how does the world respond to Brett's completely reasonable point? They call him a hateful bigot and they try to silence him. <laughs> oh boy, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's very true indeed. Now remember, well, folks, I'm not talking about curing homosexuality or something. I don't see it like a cancer. But I do, I think that everybody out there who's got any rationality or decency about them, you don't want to see the weak or the children stumble. You don't want to see the children hurt. Exactly. And another point I would add on top of that is that when you actually study what the Bible says regarding homosexuality, both in the Old and New Testament, it's not a lot of information, but the information presented tells you this. Homosexuality is a sin. It's an abomination in the eyes of God. It is a perversion of what he intended human sexuality to be. But it is not an unforgivable sin that prevents you from being able to be saved. And the Apostle Paul, especially in the New Testament, talked about how some of the people he was writing to used to be sinners of various stripes. And one specific group he mentioned was that some of them used to be homosexuals. But they no longer were because of the redemptive power of Jesus. And so based off what Paul said, you have to conclude, if you believe the Bible, that it is actually possible for gay people to no longer be gay. It is possible that they can have their urges removed through the redemptive power of Christ in their lives over time, and they can actually become straight. And there's more evidence supporting this than just the Bible. I can't remember her name for the life of me or where her article I was reading was. There was a lesbian scholar years ago who wrote about this very issue. She talked about her personal history and how she used to be as heterosexual as you could be. And she loved men and having sex with them. But then she eventually fell into feminism and leftism. And over time, as her adherence to that grew, she grew to despise men and she no longer found them sexually attractive. She started developing sexual attraction to women and eventually she became a full-on lesbian. But when she was writing about her studies into human sexuality, what she noted was that human sexuality is fluid. People can go from one end of the spectrum to the other over the course of their lives. Nobody is stuck with the sexual urges or preferences that they are born with, according to her. She not only saw people who started out heterosexual become homosexual, she saw people go the other way legitimately. She saw people who were legitimately homosexual become heterosexual over time through their own volition and, you know, seeing a therapist and doing other things that don't involve electroshock therapy. But right. even a lesbian academia like her could acknowledge that, yes, it is possible to go from being homosexual to being heterosexual legitimately. It is at least possible because she personally saw people in her life do it. And so when you present what the Bible says about homosexuality and how it's something that you can actually be uh, not cured of, but you could actually have those urges removed from you by God if it's his will. It's at least possible, according to the Bible and according to that lesbian scholar who I can't for the life of me remember who she is, because otherwise I'd have it on screen right now. Uh, it's possible even according to a lesbian scholar. So uh, what am I to think, Brett? <laughs> well, the, the we don't have a homosexual in the room right now. So I, I do know that 
some homosexuals would probably argue against us and they'd probably say something to the point of we can't help who we're attracted to any more than you can uh, help what you're attracted to. Well, that's fine and dandy, but you can choose who you actually sleep with, ladies and gentlemen. You have absolute choice. There's nothing in your genetics that says, I must lay with this person. Oh, yeah. That's not the way it works. You actually make a choice before God and humanity who you're going to lay with. Attraction, maybe you can't do nothing. Maybe that's your biology, but you choose in the end where you're going to sleep. Yeah, and plus that person's answer does not take into account all the studies into pornography that prove that people can develop a new and unhealthy sexual desires and preferences over time based on the porn they view. So, yeah, that uh, that claim of theirs just doesn't quite fly in light of that as well. Oh, uh, TTY, I don't know if you had an opportunity to check out one of my videos lately because you've been a very busy, busy man. But I uh, did a video on atheist countries, the most uh, famous of atheist countries like Sweden and uh, also an area called Denmark and also North Korea. Did you know that they've got the highest rape cases that just topple America's rape crimes and sexual assaults? That's right. So the most godless countries had the most sex crimes. Out of one out of every five women get raped in Sweden. Yeah, I think I may have seen that video, but I also have seen other videos of yours in the past where you presented the same information. Isn't that fascinating? Countries that are predominantly atheist, or at least have the highest atheist populations, are into all that stuff. Oh, that's weird. And then you got America, which is quickly becoming such a nation, and the level of stupidity is rising in that country. Oh, I, don't, I wonder why that is. <laughs> there couldn't be any correlation between atheism and all that stuff. And in America, the sexual crimes are rising as well. They just haven't come to the point of Sweden yet. But if it continues to push this atheist agenda, then we should be seeing in the next decade that the country will become, how shall I say, global Sodom and Gomorrah or worse. Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, pointing this out to atheists, though, would terribly upset them. So you probably shouldn't do that because you know me, Brad, and you know yourself. We wouldn't want to offend anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've never said anything that would possibly offend anyone. It would never upset their beliefs about the world or contradict what they've believed about the world for either their whole lives or a long time and wouldn't make them feel guilty at all about any worldview conversions they may have had in recent years. Nah, never happened. Mr. Rex, who is under the name not lying because for some reason the the uh, simulation glitched and I'm not able to see him under his other name. I don't know why. But he says, what is their immigration rate from Islamic countries? I've noticed that there's an argument that one of the reasons why these atheist countries are getting so heavily blah, 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 they blame it on Islam immigrants who are coming over. Well, that very well could be true, but one still has to question who's the leadership. The leaders are atheists. And I find it ironic that they're running a country where they say, ah, let's just let the Muslims uh, tear in through the streets and do all that. Even if that's true, it's still the atheists who are allowing it. Exactly. And the reason why they allow it is because them and the Muslims 
have a common enemy, the Christians. And atheists have some self-preservation skills and they don't want to get their heads lopped off for criticizing Islam. So, you know, you know weird stuff like that makes them want to be friends with Muslims and let them do what they want. Go figure. Yep, exactly. Well, you got some more stuff on the plate there, TTR. You're always fascinating. Always good subject matter. Uh, I wish I could say I had more stuff, but I don't. And I'm running out of time anyway. I mean, I didn't think we'd go nearly a full two hours just on the stuff I had brought up beforehand, but we did. So I think what I'm going to do is call it a show here because I got to get ready to go visit my best friend and play some video games with him. Well, you should always assume the worst when you got two awesome, handsome intellectuals in a room together. It's going to go on forever. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I wasn't, you know, full-time TV producer and a full-time content, well, I'm not a full-time content creator, but I put in so many hours over the years, I might as well be one. Well, I've been putting you up on the radio a whole lot. I've been taking your stuff, getting it up there, promoting your channel and all that. And uh, I hope that on Saturday you'll be able to come in because I know you uh, you are quite educated in the theology of Genesis and the creation story as well as Revelation. Mr. Stump's going to be coming in talking about that. It'd be great to have folks like yourself who, who know what you're talking about get in there and, you know, clean it up for right, people. Right. Yeah, I don't know what I'll be doing Saturday because I could be hanging out with my girlfriend. I also could be at my church helping with the last-minute preparations for our car show that we're doing on Sunday after our second service. So I doubt I'll be able to join the show for those reasons. Well, good priorities anyway. Like I say, the church first, the girlfriend second, or the wife, and then third, Brett Keen. That's the way it ought to be. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be a part of that show. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think I'm going to be available for that. Well, if you can't, you'll be missed as always. Yeah, although we did mention echo chambers earlier in this uh, live stream, and I do plan on doing a video about that soon because all Andrew Torba over at Gab decided to make a couple of posts talking about how echo chambers aren't bad at all. That's just a term people use to prevent people with similar values from getting together and talking among themselves. So I got to deal with that in a video soon. Oof. Boy, that guy, he just always, for some reason, I was uh, I was given advice a long time ago by a guy named Jesus Freak 777 He said, Brett, you make an awful lot of videos and you make a lot of statements. He said, why don't you get a new policy where you wait 24 hours, think it through before you hit the record button. And I've been doing that ever since. And it works out for me. Saved myself a lot of embarrassment. <laughs> Yeah, that's something my old study hall teacher used to say. He said, you know, if you got mad about something that happened to you in the moment and you're tempted to, like, you know, lash out, he said the best thing you can do is to sleep on it. You know, don't do anything about it. Go to bed that night. Get some sleep. And if you wake up in the morning and you still feel some way about it, well, then you deal with it. But if you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I don't know why I was so mad about that. It's no big deal. Then you just move on. And that's kind of the way I try to approach things, too. 
Oh, I was going to give you a tip on something. If you're still using OBS, it's something I learned recently. It'd take me just a second to tell you this, and then you can close out. Did you know that whenever you're messing around with frames, images, and video on your screen, that if you got, let's say that you got a box up on the screen, if you hold the alt button and then you do something, you can literally, like, let's say you're wanting to show a YouTube video on your screen, but you don't want to get the whole browser and all the ugliness around it and the ads. Hold Mm -hmm. Alt, and you can literally frame it, take all that out, and just put the video wherever you want on the screen and move it around. Completely cut out the background. So it's like cropping, but with the mouse and the keyboard? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Hopefully that tip will help some people out there. I'll have to try that one out. Thanks for the tip, Brett. And with that one, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to head out of here. But I hope you've enjoyed watching this particular God TV radio podcast. I know that I've had fun being a part of it and leading it. And hopefully Brett feels the same way. (laughs) Yay. All right, and until next time, whenever that is, we'll see ya. Toodles!